there, Angela Cote here, and I'm back for another episode of the Franchise Growth Catalyst podcast. My mission with this podcast is to share my insights from many, my unique insights from many years having been on the franchisor side of the relationship in the family business that we grew over the years to almost 500 locations, including some time in the field where I was the female boss's daughter showing up to teach these older male franchisees how to run their business. And let me tell you, I learned a lot in those years. My dad always said, you know, you've got, you've got a few strikes against you being young, female and boss's daughter. People are going to be watching you and you're going to have to work twice as hard and uh, work really hard to establish credibility. And then my insights as a, a multi-unit franchisee for 18 years. So I'm putting that all together and trying to help people with the problems that I see and challenges that I see in franchising, especially now for the past four or so years, having been working as a franchise growth catalyst with various companies, getting to lift the hood and, and see the challenges and help them figure out what uh, needs to happen to improve the franchise relations. Now, my uh, disclaimer that I always like to say is that perfection is the enemy of done, and I am trying to uh, walk the talk. So you might hear a few ums, and I might make a few mistakes, but I'm going to try my hardest to just keep going here and keep recording and not hit the stop button and start again. So the point regarding, uh, I mentioned using my insights to help others, the point I'm trying to make there is that not only is it a unique perspective, but I'm really coming at this with heart. So when I talk about the pain points, you know, fellow franchisees, I know your struggles and I know the frustration that can come with feeling that like you don't have any control over the decisions that are being made by the franchisor that directly impact you and your bottom line. I have experienced a lot of these pain points myself. So I'm going to start by stating what I see as the two biggest pain points for all parties involved, both franchisees and franchisors in both emerging and established brands. Today, I'm going to deep dive on one of them, and I'll save the second one for a second part uh, follow-up podcast. So the first pain point I see a lot is drum roll, see if you can guess, pause the podcast, guess, 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 marketing. In other words, getting customers in the door and ultimately the profitability that comes with that. The second pain point that I'll address on a follow-up podcast is the technology used in the business. Of course, you know, there's lots of other struggles and challenges, believe it or not, I know you know, uh, that both the franchisor and franchisee face in their efforts to achieve their goals. But my point today here is that these are probably the pain points that I hear that are the most shared between franchisee and franchisor. So it's not just the franchisee struggling or just the franchisor struggling. These are shared pain points that I'd like to share some insights that might help a little bit for both sides of the franchise relationship. So let's get into the pain point of marketing and specifically who is responsible? What are the independent roles of franchisee and franchisor when it comes to getting people in your door or to your business? And the reason I'm bringing this up is because I hear a lot this sort of confusion about franchisees seeming to think that it's all on the franchisor to drive leads or that the franchisor has this 
feeling in this responsibility to get the franchisee successful. And I think the truth really lies somewhere in between. You know, it's, it is the responsibility of the franchisor to help the franchisee be successful, but it's not 100% on them. It's a partnership. And so the franchisee needs to take some ownership as well. And I lived and breathed that. So I'll talk a little bit more about that uh, experience I went through in a minute. Um, but I wanted to point out to, to everyone here to think about, you know, when I work with somebody who is exploring, you know, whether or not they should use the franchise model to grow their business, you know, they've got one or two or three corporate uh, successful businesses running and they want to use franchising. I ask them a lot of the time, is it valuable to have somebody in in your uh, in the unit itself, whether it's you know it could be a mobile service business, but in the in the market itself is what I meant to say. That is there to you know have boots on the ground and build the connections and leverage the connections and the ability to build relationships. Because if that's not important, then I would probably encourage this person I'd be talking to to not franchise and grow corporately instead, so that they can keep all the profits assuming they can figure out the financial side of that. And, and it's less, you know, less liability and all that. But if they say to me, oh, it, it really is valuable to have somebody in the local market with boots on the ground, building those connections and growing the brand, then that's sort of a, one, of the, one of the check marks for the criteria for whether or not it makes sense to franchise the business. Not really criteria, but things to think about. So if the um, if the local franchisee is not building their business in their local community by leveraging this ability they have to go and build relationships and build the name up, whatever way that is, and I'll talk more about some ways in a minute, but if they're not doing that, they're really missing out. And let me just be clear, it may not be their fault. I believe that there is some onus on the franchisor to be upfront about this early on in, in the exploration of whether or not to even partner and bring this person on as a franchisee. There's this onus on them to ensure that the franchisees that they're prospecting with understand that a key component to this, the growth of most small businesses, really whether they're a franchise or not, is, uh, you know, working those connections and, and growing, um, you know, boots on the ground, community marketing, organic marketing, these kind of things. So I, I see so many business owners, again, whether they're franchisees or independent, missing out on optimizing the growth by using creative and organic marketing in their communities. Now, just to be clear, in the majority of cases, franchisees also need to invest in paid advertising at the local level as well, which can be anything from digital marketing to you know, going and setting up a booth at an industry trade show in your community. But I would say, you know, work with the franchisor to try to figure out how to best reach your local community um, by looking at both organically and paid what works or what has worked for the flagship location that, that the franchisor originally had or hopefully still has. And, you know, what can we learn from that? And if you're further along from what can we learn from other franchisees? Um, but my point here is we really don't want to rely just on paid advertising, whether that's being paid by the franchise or a franchisee, because, you know, we all know that marketing is not a science, although it is getting closer to being that with all the data and machine learning and everything that's happening in our world, but it's not a science. And so we don't want to rely on paid advertising um, as a franchisee because, 
as I mentioned, there's so many opportunities to build your business in your local community that are not, uh, that are more organic and don't cost any money. So why not leverage those? So I, I feel like I see a lot of people that get the blinders on and they just overlook the opportunity to get creative and have some fun. You know, probably the reason I speak so passionately about this opportunity to grow business at the local level is because it's something that we were really focused on at M&M Food Market. At my stores, when I was a franchisee, you know, we were at uh, over 300 units in the chain and we still had to supplement our paid advertising with organic reach if we wanted to stand out. We couldn't just spend the money for the, the digital marketing and then just sit in our stores and wait for customers to come in. We had to do everything from like hosting barbecues to, you know, simply just even, it's not very busy right now. Let's cut up a tray of desserts and go walk around to the other tenants in the, the strip mall and offer them a dessert and invite them over and tell them about a sale we've got going on. Or, you know, just to remind them that we're there. Hey, we've got great lunch ideas. When you're hungry, come on over, you know, we'll show you what we've got. Um, so, we did a lot of that, even though, as I said, you know, we were over 300 units in the chain at that point, And it was an iconic Canadian brand. Everybody knew the brand. That didn't mean that just because of that, we didn't have to do marketing to get people in the door. Think of Subway. Everybody knows Subway, but you, Subway still has to invest some money into marketing, of course. And uh, Subway often does get involved in the community in various ways, the local franchisee. If they want to supplement their efforts, why wouldn't you, right? So at M&M, this type of marketing started early on. And the funny thing is that initially, the idea of paying for advertising didn't even cross their minds. My dad and his, at the time, business partner, Mac and Mark, um, they never had been small business owners. So they did whatever they had to do to attract attention in a very organic way. And just what can we do to get people in the door? So on that note, I've got two good stories and the reason I tell these is, well, people like stories, but also maybe it'll get your creative juices flowing and wheels turning so that you can think of ways to attract attention yourself. So one of them is that they would get the fattiest bacon ends they could from one of their meat suppliers and they would burn these bacon ends on the barbecue in front of the store. Now I know everybody's probably thinking, oh yeah, okay, so that creates a smell and whatever, and people want to come over and check out what's going on. It draws people in. Well, that's, that's the second half of the equation. The, the, the first half and the bigger point was they would make it so it was actually causing some commotion. So there would be like flames or a bunch of smoke coming out to the point where people would be concerned and see this you know, fire on a barbecue and come running over and say, Hey, your barbecue's on fire. Like come into, they'd come into the store looking for someone, just tell them, Hey, your barbecue's on fire. And they would literally say, well, actually we just did that on purpose because we wanted to get you to put on the brakes and come into the store. Now that you're here, we'd love to share with you these awesome meals that we have and these great steaks or try a sample of our summer sausage or whatever it would be. So they're using a little bit of humor there as well. The second story you may have heard, if you've heard any of my other podcasts, I've told this the uh, time, is the story of the pumpkins. So it was October, of course, and they went and bought 100 pumpkins. I don't actually know if they even paid for them. They probably, they probably had them donated and you know, would have then uh, given recognition to whoever donated the, the company that donated them. And they took these 100 pumpkins to the local... Uh, nearby elementary school and had the kids carve the pumpkins. 
And then they brought the pumpkins back and put them on the boulevard in front of the store. So what do you think happened? Of course, it caused people to look at the store, wonder what's going on. Some people would stop, park their car, come in, ask about it. And that's great. But even more importantly, the kids of the kids that had carved the pumpkins wanted their parents to see the pumpkins and guess who our target market was right families kids these were exactly our target market so this would get the parents to come look at the pumpkins and then again my dad and mark could say well while you're here you know did you know we sell these great things for families we've got chicken nuggets you know we've got pre-made lasagnas all these things so these are two stories. Hopefully they inspire you to think a little differently. You know, it's probably time I let you in on a little secret that I'm on a bit of a mission to empower franchisees to get creative in their local markets, to attract attention and bring down their marketing spend so that their unit economics are better and that they can be more profitable. You know, as my dad always said, and we all know there's two ways to improve the bottom line. One is to get more people in the door and the other is to reduce your costs. So you're either going to increase your revenue or reduce your costs, or if you want to get really smart, let's do both. So the only caveat here, I just want to throw in, if this is a, if you're a franchisee listening, is that I, I definitely highly recommend that if you're going to do something creative in terms of marketing, just make sure that you run it by your field support or operations person on the franchise team for support and approval. And if you're going to modify your advertising spend, you should probably also get support and approval for that just to make sure that uh, we're not messing with things here. Um, now, something that I've uh, often seen as well is that franchisees can bring in the, uh, their team, their staff, their employees on this exciting idea to think of how can we grow business? What can we do? I find that when you bring this to the um, employees on a team, they feel, they feel excited because you're empowering them to help make decisions about how to grow the business. And you can always attach incentives to that as well if you want. Um, and, you know, try to get, uh, just get everybody involved, get the buy-in from the employees. I've seen some great uh, results from that where, you know, employees will volunteer to go, um, you know, go walk around at events or, or whatever they need to do to drum up business. It's just, they haven't thought about it. It's not on their radar, but often there's, you know, those go-getters and you're on your team that are hungry for growth and hungry to do creative and fun things. And so why not task them to help you come up with some cool ideas. Um, so what I uh, would recommend is that, you know, have, have a session with your team and as a franchisee and brainstorm different ways that, you know, we can get more involved, get people in the door, brainstorm without barriers. But then once you brainstorm and have all the ideas, pick the ones that that get you the most excited and that have the least amount of potential roadblocks. So watch, you know, watch out for obviously things that are high cost or take a ton of effort and just aren't really going to happen. So make sure that you pick something, you know, you and your team pick things that, that everybody is excited about that they can actually, you know, are pretty easy to implement. So the next thing you know, you'll have like employees that'll be volunteering to wear a crazy costume. Like, when I was a kid and had to dress up as Kelly Kebab, not that I chose that, um, or you'll be burning uh, fatty bacon ends in front of your business, even if it's not a food business. You got to do what you got to do. Um, one of uh, an employee of one of my franchise clients 
who has a natural hormone balancing program called Be Balanced Hormone Weight Loss Centers, started making video tips for her personal followers on Facebook to help get the word out there. So speaking of getting the word out there and word of mouth, when I ask people what their, where their best customers come from, guess what the number one answer is? Because people are always trying to figure out marketing. And I'm like, okay, well, where are your best customers coming from? Let's do more of whatever it is. Well, it's always word of mouth and like referrals. So let's make sure we think about like, how can we generate more word of mouth? You know, if you don't already have a referral program going to reward your customers and clients for bringing you business, make sure you set something like that up. And that's only half of it. You've got to make sure you teach your employees how to, how to have those conversations with your network of, of fans, of customers, clients, and, and all that. Make sure that you're staying on top of it because I, a lot of people say, yeah, we've got a referral pro- program, but it really didn't work. And then the more we dig into it, it's like, well, we didn't really nurture it or stay on top of it. We kind of forgot about it. So let's make sure that we teach our team, our employees, how to spread the word amongst their network whether it's through social media, verbally, just with people writing thank you cards to customers, whatever that is. At M&M, we used to give away uh, free products sometimes to our best customers. And we'd say things like, you know, awesome. The only string attached is that you have to tell all your friends. You know, we kind of say it with a little bit of fun. And people loved it. It actually worked really well. So let me summarize here by saying that my main point here is as a franchisee, you've got a lot of opportunity to connect with your local community to grow your business. You can do this organically without spending a lot of money and and potentially make more money drop to your bottom line. I would also encourage you to work with your fellow franchisees and your franchisor to brainstorm, you know, fun, organic ways to attract attention. Um, Because remember, marketing is all about attracting attention. And then you can even create a resource for your business that um, has all these different cool ideas. So when you're realizing that you need to get creative and do something new, you can go to this resource. Back at M&M, we had a resource called Behind and Beyond the Counter. And so we had different business building ideas, organic ideas that you could do in store. So behind the counter and then beyond the counter meant out in the community. So we could reference that when we were looking for ideas on how to grow. All right. Yes, you probably sense I'm very passionate about this, but now I'm going to jump to the franchisor's role and what is their role in terms of uh, marketing and growth for franchisees. So the way I look at it is that the franchisor is responsible for the growth of the brand. Okay, so the franchisor needs to use the brand fund to do things like ensuring the company website is up to date and awesome, you know, keeping the brand fresh and innovative and investing in the bigger initiatives that are going to affect the overall company. And a good franchisor will provide opportunities for you as a franchisee to share your input regarding marketing initiatives. You know, if you have ideas, there's got to be a way for them to share sorry, for you to share with them, with the franchisor. And that's quite often through like a franchise advisory council or other committees. So, um, you know, don't be afraid to ask your franchisor if, you know, what is the best way for me to share ideas regarding community marketing or things that might, might work well for your business. The franchisor is also responsible to keep in mind for finding more franchisees to end up with, you know, more franchise units across the country or continent to increase brand awareness, which 
benefits you, of course, and then as a side benefit results in more resources at the head office level to, for the franchise company to be using to support franchisees. So that franchise company growth includes more units, which benefits everybody. So just like franchisees, franchisors also need to take ownership for marketing the franchise and they need to be finding more franchisees and they too should be using a combination of paid franchise prospecting efforts and organic efforts. You know, franchisors, again, if I asked you where did your best franchisees come from, especially early on, I would guess that you would probably say from within your network of customers and clients and employees and friends and maybe even suppliers. So don't forget to leverage that network of people who love your business and believe in what you're doing and make sure they know that that you're on the lookout for more awesome people who want to join you on the mission that you're on to grow your company. And, and probably there's some purpose behind that in, you know, whatever your mission is, make sure that people understand, you know, what you're looking, that you're looking to grow. It may not be the person that you're telling, but they might know someone that might be a perfect fit as a franchisee. And I'm sure that if you're a franchisor and you've got a few franchisees, you totally know what I'm talking about here. So speaking of awesome, I mentioned uh, finding awesome people. Speaking of awesome, it's time to wrap up this episode so I can get on a call with one of my awesome clients. And I will follow up and do a, uh, a podcast on technology and some of the challenges I see and some of the ways that I've seen technology, uh, people solve technology challenges. And in the meantime, I would love, love, love to hear from you to know whether this message resonated with you and whether it maybe even inspired you to take some different steps regarding your marketing efforts, you know, to get a little more focused on leveraging your organic opportunities, whether you're a franchisee or franchisor, if you're a franchisee trying to find more customers or clients or a franchisor trying to find more franchisees. I'm definitely, uh, I'm always excited about being able to help people make these small changes that lead to growth and ultimately exponential growth and bigger growth. So on that note, don't forget to go be awesome.